0: To another Hopefield message from life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. We're going to touch over the next couple of weeks on this thought of eternity. And if you grew up in the church like me, you would have again experienced different seasons and different emphases in the church. I, I grew up in a church that was very much committed to God. But uh, they kind of had a theology. I I don't know if you remember, I've mentioned this from time to time. There used to be a film called The Thief in the Night. And the whole movie was around this thought that uh, you better be right with God when he comes. Because if you don't turn, you will burn. And I remember as a teenager, that kept me on the straight and narrow. And uh, it was kind of like, I don't want to miss that coming of God and And so I I remember being constantly under a sense of fear about the coming of God. But I want to tell you that God is not the author of fear. But God is the God that gives to humankind faith. That causes us to step into a relationship with the God that designed us. And yet the truth is, whether we believe it or not, we will face an eternity. And so I'm going today use a lot of scripture because the basis of our faith is not our feeling. It's what God says. And uh, back then in my teenagers, I would, uh, te- as a teenager, I would often hear Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 that says this. Well, it is appointed under man, under woman to die or once to die. And then after that, there is a judgment. I think today somehow we get so enamored with the present and even our teaching today is really about how do we get more blessed? How do we live a more productive life for me? But the Bible makes it clear. The writer of Hebrews says, you realize one day you will die. And yet as Christians, we still spit out when death happens. And yet God says it is appointed. It is plan for you to die and after that death there will come a judgment and what I've discovered is that eternity awaits every one of us and yet it is our choice we get to choose what that's going to look like for who we are and that's where it gets a little quiet because we can choose an eternity with the God that created us a God of love and righteousness or we can choose an eternity without his presence. I think we're seeing in our world today debauchery. I think we are seeing more and more people drifted away from the wonder of who God is and the outcome of that. And when you think God totally removed from every sphere of your world, what would that really look like? And it is scary, and yet God in our design has given each one of us a free will. And so a lot of people say, well, it's not fair that there is an eternity void of God. There is an eternity in hell, but... I just want to underscore from the beginning that every one of us get to make the choice. It's kind of like God has given you a free will. He's given me a free will, and it is our choice. It's kind of like as our children grow up, we realize we need to entrust free will. And God has the same for us. The Apostle Paul on eternity, and there's going to be, as I said, a number of scriptures, writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, he says, For we know, talking to Christians... That if our earthly house or this tent, this body is destroyed, that's not the end of the story. We have a building from God. We have a house or we have a body that is not made with hands and it is eternal in the heaven. You know, often I think sometimes we gloss over Scripture and I wonder if we allow God to take us to a different understanding that everything in this world is temporal. And yet so much of our focus is about what happens on this world. And so much of our struggle is because we are looking at this world in a different way than we should be. We should, as God's children, be living with this eternal focus. Whatever we go through in this temporal world, it really is insignificant to the eternal world. And again, as a teenager, I came to a point where I just said, well, if God's word is true and this is true, then I'm all in. It's kind of like that lifts me beyond a place. Often at funerals, obviously we grieve through loss. I remember when my dad died, some of my family said, yeah, but if the hospital only did this and only did that and only did that, or if that had happened, maybe he wouldn't have died, but he had already lost a lot of his memory. And knowing dad, it's kind of like, yeah, it's sad that we've lost dad here on earth, but I'm telling you, dad is happy. Come on, like some Christians need to get happy today. It's like, it's kind of like we just keep looking at the mirror. We keep looking at our current circumstance. Whereas Paul writes, no, you've got to get this. You you have got, come on, a building, a new body, a new future in eternity. He goes on in verse five. Now, he who has prepared us for this, this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are sometimes confident. Come on, looking around at some Christians. It's like, you don't get the fact that you're in this season that has eternity attached. We are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now we have the Holy Spirit, but it's like Paul says, don't you realize? That eternity is so much more profound because there's this intimacy, there's this direct connection with God for we walk by faith and not by the things of this world verse 8 we are confident yes well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord now I'm going to go there because I want to stir you up a little my dad before he died he said make sure somebody dances at my funeral And it was like he had a glimpse like Paul that I've done my time here on earth, but I wasn't created for this. And I believe we need to grieve and there is the shock of death and we go through the natural feelings. But as Christians, it's like there's a confidence in death that we should stand in the middle and say, but there is so much more. And and it's not about this earthly season and our ultimate purpose is to live in this place of direct intimacy with God. Again, Paul finds himself in prison. It's amazing, isn't it? When we go through this natural life and maybe today you find yourself feeling like you're imprisoned in a current situation. But know what Paul writes. He writes in Hebrews ten thirty four. He says, For you had compassion on me in my chains, talking to the believers, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. In other words, when you saw what I was going through and you were prepared to go through it with me, you knew that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. In other words, there is this need for us to bring eternity focus into our everyday reality. And we are humans living through a human season. You know, I've been a Christian now for close to on 55 years. Can't believe it, can you? And I'm still perplexed. Now, I understand being thrown off course when something sudden happens. But I'm perplexed when Christians allow what's happening in their now to cause them to lose sight of eternity. And we get so fixed on everything around this world and we spend so much time on things around this world. And yet, Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes chapter 3 and verse 9, what profit has a worker from that in which he labors. I have seen the god-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. In other words, as Christians, this is how we live, that he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, remember that he has put eternity into your heart, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. So we live in a time as we face eternity, where we carry the fact that we have eternity in our heart. God in creating you and I in his image had to create eternity, because he's the God of eternity in our hearts. And in the middle of that, we're in a season where we don't see it fully from eternity and its perspective. And so we get confused in the season we're in. And yet Solomon writes, never expect to be able to work it all out but go deeper than what you see and what you feel and what you experience, and I realize that the eternity in your heart is a sign that God is with you. And I think sometimes we're in this kind of self-satisfaction drug era. As long as I self-feel good, and as long as I can work it all out, and God says, no, you're designed with eternity. And by the way, when, when we're connected to eternity. Everything gains purpose. I think here at Life, we're often real about the journey we go through. Some time ago, I talked again about Jason and Lily, who is heading up our new central build, and uh, not that long ago, lost their little unborn son, Noah Job, at 27 weeks. And the pain of that, Marie and I are very close to them, and Just to be a part of that journey and to see the pain and yet to see them reach deep into the fact of eternity. So then you can begin to process the challenge of what's around us. That's why I think today the enemy doesn't want us to talk about eternity. So that we can give up in the middle of our storm. We can, come on, lose heart in the middle of our prison. Rather than go, no, 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 no. When we're connected to eternity, everything gains purpose and uh, little Noah had a cord that was twisted, and it would seem on the face of it, that would have been the reason for why he died at 27 weeks, weeks before he was fully ready to engage into his natural life. And uh, they sent to a few of us just a little, email, uh, a little text this week, which I so appreciated, and I asked them if I could share it. They said, hey guys, had a meeting with the obstetrician this morning, Re Noah. all the tests, the blood, the genetics were normal which is just confirming that we already knew Noah was perfect. They ruled out the coiled cord, and they don't have a medical answer as to why. Not naive to the fact that there is an opposition who's at work, but the opposition, the enemy, has totally overplayed his hand. We are both still so at peace with the fact that God knows the bigger picture, and you can't put a condition on God and that he is yet to play his hand. His hand is always greater and bigger. Hope that you have an awesome Monday. Love you guys. Jason Lilly. For me, it's just, again, come on, a challenge to all of us. Are we living with a perspective of eternity? Or has the enemy caused our focus to be on the here and now? I love the Apostle Paul. He goes on, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, he said, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and somebody else builds on it. But then he puts this challenge, make sure that we take heed or be careful as to how we build on that focus and foundation. Goes on in verse 11 and it's a time where the church at Corinth is kind of saying, well, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos and that's the one that changed my life. And Paul goes on, you realize that no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You you realize that if anyone builds on this foundation uh, with gold and silver and precious stones with wood, hay and stubble, that each one's work, this is very challenging, will become clear for that day we'll declare it. Because that day it will be revealed by fire how we've lived. And fire will test each one's work or human existence to sort it out, what type it is. And the Bible's clear that religion won't get you to heaven. Come on, good works won't get you to heaven. But there's a foundation and his name is Jesus. And we stand on Jesus and then we begin because he's the center of our life and eternity awaits, then we are at this point where we're giving him everyone. Verse 14, it says, if anyone's work which he has built on this foundation of Jesus Note this, endures, it comes through the fire, that one will receive a reward. If the work or our existence here on earth is burned, we God's children will suffer loss. Even though we ourselves may be saved, yet so is through fire. You know, when you begin to look at eternity, you realize it's not just a group of people floating on clouds come on, thank God, with a harp or a trumpet and just being in this state of perpetual worship. There is a spirit of worship. But actually the Bible describes eternity a lot different. It says you've got to say and you've got to live and you've got to focus on the facts, says Paul, that we should be living in light of eternity. Our response in this life carries consequences. Well, wow, it's going to get a little quiet in here. Yes, we don't earn our salvation. We're saved by grace. But we are rewarded according to our kingdom gift activation. Mm. Oh, I thought God was seeing how many times I'm in church. No. Two words I want to give you and I want you to think about this as you go today. They are the words forgiveness and fruitfulness. Two parts of eternity that all of us get to choose in this life how we're going to respond. Forgiveness, by the way, determines where we're going to spend eternity. I believe fruitfulness determines how. So therefore, every season of my life, God is looking to see whether I'm living under his grace, salvation through Jesus, but then he's looking to see... If I'm activating the gifts that he's entrusted, and that will determine the level of reward that heaven has for me. Okay, let's go on. You know, people say to me, but God, I thought was a God of love. How can he put people in hell? God doesn't put people in hell. There's a choice that we make here on earth where we want to spend eternity. And that choice becomes our choice whether with God in full connection or away from God's presence and every part of his character and everything that he stands for. Ephesians 2 and verse 8, Paul writes, For by grace, yep, you've been saved, I've been saved. It's through faith. It's not because you're good enough. It's not of yourselves. It is literally a gift from God. You don't work your way into heaven because if you could, you could boast no it's accepting that Jesus died for you. But he doesn't finish there in verse 9 He goes on, or verse 8. He goes on in verse 10 and he says, For we then are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus so salvation is free. Forgiveness is free. But then we are to be fruitful. We're created for what? Good works. Which God prepared before that we should walk in them. In other words, let me be really clear. Salvation can never be earned. It's prepaid in the blood of Jesus. He died on a cross, the perfect son of God. So us in our imperfect, weak failure and sin could come to Calvary and receive the gift of salvation. But where this gets a little bit more challenging is that God says, but you weren't created just to receive the gift and then sit in the security of church. You were there to activate, become fruitful with the gifts that have been entrusted. Let me put it another way. We basically, in our lives here, we reflect our past. We activate our today. That's what we're called to do. And we choose our eternity. And so don't be condemned by this, but be encouraged that God is coming and God has something prepared for us. Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, God says, I am coming quickly. Listen to this. My reward is with me. I am going to give to everyone according to their work. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. When you stop and think about that, sometimes you realize there's a lot of us sitting on our hands in church. Using the air in this world that one day we can miss the fact that there are rewards in heaven. Come on, every campus. Like God's looking at us and going, you realize that even though there's full acceptance of everyone through the blood of Jesus, there is a place of rewards. And if there's a place of rewards, there's a reason for those rewards to be outworked. And so I am therefore responsible before God to realize that eternity is decided by my belief, but how I spend eternity is decided by the way I respond with my gifts. And that's why the enemy doesn't want us to understand it. In fact, there are two judgments after we die. There is what the Bible terms the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat of Christ, we find in 2 Corinthians 5.10, that all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one of us may receive the things that we have done in this life according to what we have done, whether good or bad. As I said, we're not judged if we're living through Jesus and we've received his forgiveness according to our sin, but we've been entrusted gifts that God's gonna say, how did you do with what I gave you? Come on, forgiveness and fruitfulness. Goes on and In fact, in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is at the end of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes, all of us must fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing and every good and every evil thing. Let's go on, verse 10 of Romans 14. Why is it that you keep judging your brother? And why do you show contempt for your brother? Just remember this, that we will all stand. Wow, I get challenged by that. Before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me. Every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. I don't want to bring fear, I think, because we had so much fear, we've moved away from teaching on eternity. But every one of us, whether we believe it or not, one day, mark God's word, will have a personal audition with the Father. And God will say, what did you do with your life? I put it like this, we can't kill time without injuring eternity. I think... I'd like us to stop and think about that. See, oh, well, you know, I used to serve God, but man, I'm getting a little older now and I'm just biding time. And it's like, did you realize today there are rewards through activation of what God's entrusted to you? Well, pastor, I, I don't wanna sing anymore. You know, I, I've done that. But, I, but you've got a gift. You could bring heaven to people well, you know, we're, we're just gonna, I've been through a lot and I'm, I'm just sick of it and it's just too tough and it's like, no, remember this forgiveness and fruitfulness. Somebody said to me recently, a friend of mine, uh, you know, the central build that's happening and everything else that's happening at life, why would you do it? And I go, one word, obedience. I don't wanna live my life looking at all the trauma and parking myself in the prison of the trauma i got to look at the trauma and say, you don't have the final say, eternity. Come on, I want to challenge everyone that's a mature Christian. What are you really doing with your gift? It's kind of like you say, well, that's a bit judgmental. No, I'm stirring you as your spiritual dad to go your time on earth. As long as you've got breath, God says it's for a reason. And the reason is not just for you to get out of bed and go back to bed. It's so that we'll take the gift and begin to affect people with the kingdom mandate. Kind of like everywhere we go, we can make a difference. It matters how we live. Come on. This is Scripture, 1 Peter 1, 17. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work. The judgment seat of Christ, our work. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here. Listen, in fear. And that word fear, when you go back to the original, literally means this, in In terror. So it's kind of like, think about eternity. There is a judgment that awaits every Christian. And kind of be in this state of, if I don't make it work, I'm going to miss out on what could have been. And that's a part of what God says to us. In fact, Jesus taught in Matthew 16. He says, you know, you want to follow me? You're going to deny yourself and follow me. And then again, verse 27, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father and His angels, and He will reward each one according to their works. And I look at that and I go, well, we're going to get moving there, not out of fear, but out of a sense that we can actually create something that's going to exist in eternity. Jesus taught that there will be rulers of five cities and ten cities. And then we heard some will get to heaven as by fire. In other words, you'll get there, but you'll get there realizing there are others that have something that is the outcome of their obedience. Let let me explain it like this. You go, yeah, but I thought we'd just be all in this place of perfect perfect kind of, we're all the same. No, the Bible teaches there is the judgment seat of Christ, which we will be judged according to our works. It's a bit like, We are all Olympians. Forevermore, we can say we gave our lives to Christ, and so we're an Olympian. But there will be Olympians that get different medals. And God is giving to us. I don't believe eternity is is just this nothing time. It's a a creative God. Come on, that is going to utilize those that lean in. It's not right and wrong. This is the development of our spiritual giftedness and some of us will be in heaven receiving gold medals others silver others bronze. others will always be an olympian but i do believe the bible teaches very clearly every one of god's children will be judged according to how they responded 1 john 2 and verse 28 now little children abide in him and when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming this is written to christians If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Righteousness is right living. And God is looking and saying, hey, you realize that all of us are in the same place. Forgiveness is important, but fruitfulness is very important. And you might go, well, boy, that's pretty, pretty challenging. Come on, every campus is challenging. That's why here at Life, we, we go next steps. <laughs> oh, well, I've been in church a long time. I don't need to do that. Yeah, no, you don't need to do anything. You've got a free will. But I am saying I believe absolutely on God's word. There will come a day where God will say, how did you do with the gifts I gave you? And it's no good saying, well, I, I don't know what my gift is or I used to do that. It's like, no, God's saying, come on, get in the next steps, discover what your purpose is in the kingdom and begin to do it whatever that looks like. First judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. The second, the great white throne judgment. You see, people argue, well, I don't believe in a hell, and the Bible says there is a hell and it is separation from God. God's righteousness demands there is separation from sin. God cannot cohabitate with sin. That's why God loves all of humanity, but it's only Jesus that gives us the right access. To experience his presence. That's why there's a call from heaven. Jesus died for you without sin. So in your sin you can ask his forgiveness and be righteous in him and know him. Uh, Revelation 20 verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. We, We teach Jesus meek and mild righteousness is absolute and there was no one found uh, and there was found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great standing before God and the books were opened and another book was opened did you realize there are books where God is recording our response our fruitfulness but then there was another book that was opened, which is the book of life and the dead were judged according by their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and the death, and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each according to their works. Then death, and Hades was cast into the lake of fire. This is what is called the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The book of life, is a recording that God has for every human being that says, God, would you forgive me for my sin? Because I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. It's called being saved. And today, if you're in church, we're not here to put anything on anyone, but when we teach God's Word, it's like, it's absolute. If you're not in the book, oh, well, I don't believe in fire, you will be cast into a lake of fire. There is a lot of debate about it, but the key, of course, is let's accept Jesus. You can be a good person, but not be in the book. Because it's not your goodness that earns your way to heaven. We become free and we get our names written in the book because we accepted that Jesus has saved us. Can I have an amen? It's kind of like God is saying, hey, I know you're weak and I know you're a sinner, but I love you so much. Therefore, I gave everything I could give, which was your forgiveness. Get your name written in the book and I'm far from perfect, but my name's in the book. My name is in the book. Uh, If you want to do some study, go to Matthew 16. It talks about a rich man. He had everything. He just lived for himself. There was a beggar at the gate of his house called Lazarus. But he wouldn't look after Lazarus, and Lazarus just desired the crumbs from his table. Well, the story goes on. Both of them died, and they are now beyond this life. And here, the rich man who never gave his life to God, never had his name in the book, finds himself in the place of torment. And Lazarus, he can see, is with God. Just as what he says, when you study it, he says, come on, is this okay? He studies it and he says, oh my gosh, I never knew that this would be my eternal destination. Would you just get Lazarus, who's with you, to at least put his finger in water And cross over and touch my tongue. Serious. Do you know what? The response is no. No one can cross over. You've made your choice. Then the rich man cries out and says. But would you let me. Or would you send someone. To my five brothers. And would you tell them this is a reality. You know I. I. I don't walk on the streets and preach this stuff because I realize I'm not here to place on anybody what they don't want to hear. But in God's house, we're going to teach the word. And then we're going to share our example in grace. But if that is a reality, in fact, verse 27 of Matthew 16, he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that they may testify them lest they also become or get to this place of torment. Don't ever accept, I don't care who says it, that an eternity without God is a place that doesn't torment. That's the risk of having been created in the image of God with eternity implanted. You go, yeah, that's pretty sad. No, it's not, because we get to choose. Forgiveness and fruitfulness. You know, as the teams come and join me on each of the campuses, I think if you went back through history, everyone that's lived this life and finished this life would have something to say to us that would have far more intensity than a preacher on Sunday. And you might go, well, you're just being too upfront. No, I'm trying to warn you that you get to choose. Every Christian, one day you will stand being judged for how you applied. Come on, the gifts that you've got. Oh yeah, but I got so distracted. Yeah, well, everybody's there. I think Samson would say, never compromise your source of strength. Don't get so allured to the things and niceties of this world that you Compromise. I think Saul might say, "Be very careful; you don't fall into the trap of self exaltation. Don't see yourself better than you are without God." Abel would say, "Please." I think he would say, "Keep doing what is right, even if you're despised for it." I think Judah, uh, uh, Judas rather, would cry out and he would say. Never forget, the love of money will take you out. It'll finish your God life. Ananias and Sapphira could say, never buy into living a lie. Deal with your stuff. Joe, I love this. This is what I wrote this week. No matter how bad it's been, it never happened because God didn't love you. There's an enemy in play. Noah, no matter how long it takes, obedience stays fully committed. Come on, by God's grace, we're going to keep going. Or maybe the five foolish virgins, I think what they would echo from eternity, remember your lamps have no value if there is no oil. You can have all of the outer trimmings of a Christian life, but unless you're being obedient, living for God. You're going to dry up like a prune. That's why so many flippin' old Christians, I'm going to go there. I like prunes. Come on. They've lost their spirit. You don't have to get old in God. This tent may be weathered. Come on. Eternity, hear me today, begins with a surrendered life. The wages of sin, said, Paul is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want to take a moment just to talk to every campus because you see, Christians aren't better people than others. They are just forgiven people. We've surrendered our lives and said, God, would you come in and take center stage? Eternity, as we open this few weeks on it, has two judgments. I think I've been clear. We get to choose which judgment we attend. If we're right with God, therefore we live in His forgiveness. We bring our sin and acknowledge it, give our lives to Him. We don't have to stand before the great white throne because our books, our names are written in the book of life. But every one of us will stand and we will be judged according to what we've done with what we have. And there are rewards. And in the creativity, come on, of God. People say, what, how do you see heaven? How do you see eternity? I say one of the best pictures is the Garden of Eden. Where there was no sin, the only difference is there will be no serpent. Because he made his choice. Can you imagine an environment where there is no fear, no sickness, No distrust, no dishonoring, no disloyalty, and an uncompromised relationship with a God that's fully formed. And then in God's creativity, I I can't tell you what, that's why I don't think there's a lot about eternity, because God will always continue to create in time our rewards, come on, we will carry with us. this podcast from life if you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message visit lifeau.org